0: everyone. Welcome to HR Works, brought to you by BLR. I'm your host, Steve Bruce. HR Works provides clear, relevant, actionable information on topics that matter to HR professionals. When you're armed with best practices, plus the knowledge to keep your organization in compliance, HR works. Most companies today are struggling with performance appraisal. The old systems of looking back on past performance once or twice a year seem to be going by the wayside, but are the new systems that involve more frequent communication about performance and are future-focused as effective and beneficial as they could be? For an interesting new way to look at performance management, we've asked Kelly Hinshaw to join us. Kelly is the Vice President of Strategic Development at Cy Wakeman. A lively and thought-provoking presenter, Kelly provides actionable ways that change the way her audiences lead and approach their personal and work lives. She leads reality-based leadership consulting and training engagements across the United States, and she combines her business acumen with expertise in coaching individuals and teams to lead large-scale M&A and business readiness projects, conduct strategic planning, and drive culture changes. She was awarded the Training Magazine Emerging Training Leader Award for her demonstrated leadership in developing, facilitating, and generating strong ROI from her training programs. She earned her MBA from the University of Nebraska Omaha, where she serves on the adjunct management faculty. Kelly also holds the distinction of being our first returning guest. Kelly, welcome back to HR Works.
1: Oh, thank you, Steve. I'm so delighted to be back. I love your organization and thrilled to talk with everyone again.
0: Oh, thanks. So, first of all, what's wrong with current performance measurement systems? And why isn't measuring performance sufficient anymore?
1: You know, one of the things that we found in working with our clients is, you know, there's just a general dissatisfaction with measuring current performance. And I want all the listeners to put themselves in the shoes of receiving a performance review. And I think we can all share and agree that, gosh, you know what, it just feels weird, right? I mean, when we go into our performance review, oftentimes we don't leave inspired We don't leave leave like we feel like um, we have the tools and resources needed to, you know, carry our performance for the next year. It feels formal, it feels rigid, and maybe it doesn't always provide an accurate indication of what my true value is at work. But I want to go a step further. One of the things that we found in working with our clients is that performance reviews don't often correlate with business results. And that's really interesting to us because we've gone into organizations and um, they're, they're saying, gosh, you know what, we really just need our people to be more productive. We feel like their current performance isn't scaled up. They're resisting change. Um, they're not getting, you know, bought into the organization's initiatives. And so we look at their performance ratings, and their average performance rating might be, for instance, let's just say they measure a scale of 1 to 5, Maybe their average performance rating is like a a three-and-a-half, and then their business results are lacking. They're not achieving the goals or objectives that the business has set out to achieve. And so we're scratching our heads saying, gosh, you know what? Your business isn't achieving its objectives, yet you're rating your folks higher than average. There's a problem here. And what we found is that many leaders, um, you know, there's a couple of different reasons. Sometimes we aren't having the courageous conversations that we should be having in our performance reviews, and we're giving people inflated ratings, ratings that don't truly align with the results of the business. And so therefore we know that the current performance review not only um, has a lot to be desired, but the ratings aren't truly correlating with business results. And that's how it should happen, is that there should be that strong correlation. And so those are just a couple of reasons why, you know, people feel less than satisfied with, you know, um, performance ratings. And as I'm going to talk about today, it doesn't take into account the whole picture.
0: So you've developed a new approach to performance measurement with what you call the employee value equation. Can you tell us more about that?
1: Sure. At Reality-Based Leadership, we have developed the new employee value equation. And this is something that we've been uh, working with and measuring for several years. And I want to tell you more about it. One of the things that might be helpful for you is, you know, let's walk through it together. So if you're listening, um, you can go on any of your devices and simply visit realitybasedleadership.com. And if you scroll to the bottom and click on Access the Extras, you can actually see this tool um, in our extras content and so you can click on the employee value assessment and feel free to walk along with me and even give yourself a rating it's a great way to start to figure out uh, where you need to grow next so let's talk about how this works so the first thing that we're going to measure in the new employee value equation is your current performance which is how am I doing today and you and I both know that um, performance reviews and rating your current performance is very important because that is, you know, your you know, measure of productivity or success at work. But one of the things that's really important with current performance is we focus first on how am I doing today? And that is a rating of one to five. So a one means I'm not meeting any of the objectives as outlined by my role today. A five means I'm exceeding all of the objectives as outlined in my role today. A three means I'm meeting all of the objectives or expectations in my role today. And we ask folks to give themselves, or as you're rating yourself, give yourself a one to a five. And what we really wanna keep in mind is This is a rating of how am I doing today, not what did I do two years ago, did I write a paper, or did I publish a book, or did I develop a patent. All too often, we find folks kind of tend to inflate their current performance based on past behaviors, or I had a great year last year. So it's really important to get honest when we're doing the math with folks that they're rating their current performance on how they're doing today. The next thing that we need to add then is future potential, which is how ready am I for what's next. Let me talk to you about what future potential sounds like. Future potential, again, is a rating of one to five. If you are a one in future potential, and leaders, I know that you have heard this on your teams, someone who is a one in future potential probably comes to you when you've told them that they need to go to training. The first question out of their mouth probably is, is it mandatory? Do I have to go? Are they gonna take attendance? Is this something I'm really going to use? They need that proof that they have to be there or they ask if it's required. Someone who is a three in future potential signs up and says yes to the training or learning opportunities that the organization provides them in their role. They may not do much more than what the organization is feeding to them on a regular basis in terms of books to read or articles or videos to watch or training that needs to be attended. Someone who is a 5 in future potential keeps themselves accelerated and always ready for what's next. The key to future potential and making sure that change is not hard for you is acquiring skills and resources before you need them. So someone who is a 5 in future potential probably does more than what's expected. In fact, they do do more than what's expected at work. So. They read, and if they're not a reader, they're constantly scanning the internet for uh, videos or content to watch. They typically are a mentor, and they're actively mentored by someone else. They get very multi-generational, so they're not afraid to work beyond their own current generation to learn from those that are younger than them and gain wisdom from those who have been in the workforce longer than them. So give yourself a rating of one to five. So we have to go one step more than that. So, current performance plus future potential, but we have to detract that by something that's so expensive, that's so costly to our organizations, and that is emotional expense. We often call this your hassle factor or your drama quotient. And you might be thinking, okay, you you have here, Kelly, that it's a three times factor, and that is true. And I want you guys to put yourselves in this thinking moment for a minute. And that is, imagine you're going to start a business, and you want to staff this business, obviously, so that you're insanely successful. And you're thinking of hiring two people. One person has super amazing technical skills. They have the track record. They have the experience to do whatever it is you need to hire them to do. However, they are so full of drama, they're constantly complaining, you have to work really hard to get them bought into any initiative, maybe they're a super high performer and they withhold a ton of information or they constantly resist change, they want to do things their own way, or you have someone who maybe isn't as skilled up, but they easily and always say yes to what's next. They say, how can I help? I'm willing. Let me know what you need. How can I learn? Which person would you hire for your business? I think a lot of you would say, oh my goodness, the person that's full of drama, I'd pass on them. I'd rather hire the person that maybe has a little bit less expertise, but I know as well you say yes early and often and is committed to the goals and the strategies of what I'm trying to build. And so that's why emotional expense is so Um, important and that's why it has a factor of three times because I think we've all worked with high drama individuals and we know how taxing that can be on your team's productivity and your own personal productivity as well. So emotional expense, that scale is actually flipped. So if you are a one in emotional expense, that's good. That means that you are in the ranks of Jesus and Buddha and Gandhi and Mother Teresa and Muhammad and all of the people who bring um, health and happiness and peace and goodwill to you know, your teams, the organization, and the world. People love working with you. You are low drama. You say yes to what's next. You accept reality as it comes to you, and you know that reality is the best motivator in the circumstances in which you must succeed. If you are a five in emotional expense. It probably means that um, when you are walking by someone's office, people will immediately look busy and look down because they know that you're coming to uh, what we call BMW drive or bitching, moaning, whining, blaming, moaning, whining by your desk. You're sucking up valuable time. And your manager knows that when you come into their their office and they say, hey, you got a minute, they know you're lying because you're actually going to need 45 minutes to vent about everything that's wrong in the organization. Emotional experience is sneaky though. We often find individuals who are high performers and active and hungry learners who are very expensive because even they're difficult to work with or they don't actively help others. Or they kind of are an information hoarder and you just simply have to constantly work around them. We find most individuals fall at a three. And a three means that, you know, maybe we've just been unaware this time of our emotional expense. And so we drop into our leader's office. We say, hey, you got us a minute. And 30 minutes later, we're still there complaining, you know, about our circumstances or why things can't get done. And maybe we do this a couple of times a week. Or maybe we vent to our team members at the water cooler or spend a lot of time just complaining, resisting change and those sorts of things. And so quick math that we can typically do on um, how people uh, typically show up at work is, you know, on an average bell curve, folks are a three in current performance. They're meeting their expectations. They're a three in future potential. They're accepting the learning and development opportunities that are coming their way in their organization. But they're also a three in emotional expense. So a three plus a three is six. Six minus a three times three, that's nine. So they're actually a negative three at work. So they're actually not bringing positive value to the organization. And so it goes to show you that you can be doing what you um, have to do today at work, but still not bringing value. And so the best way that they can start to improve their value at work is to start to address their emotional expense. And we can talk a little bit more about that today.
0: All right. This is sounding very interesting. Now, people... Well, we can see you rate yourself on the series of statements in the three categories, current performance, future potential, and emotional expense, and then you put your scores uh, into the formula. So if people have a positive score, then what's the significance of that?
1: If you're positive, give yourself a pat on the back. In fact, lots of times, um, I know when Cy Wakeman, the author of Reality-Based Leadership, and I talk about this, we're really just looking for a score that's zero. And zero means you're net neutral. It means I show up. I'm keeping myself ready. I'm delivering excellent performance. Um, You know, I deliver upon what's asked of me with very little drama. At the end of the day, we go home and we're all, all going home equal and happy. If you deliver positive value to the organization, that means that you are a superior performer and um, definitely someone that can be an advocate and helping call others up to superior performance as well because you're not only exceeding expectations at work, you're going above and beyond the learning opportunities that your organization is providing for you. You probably greet change with a good to know. You're not guilty of saying change is hard because you're always keeping your skills ready for what's next, and you do that with very little drama, very little hassle, and you're very easy to work with. So a positive score is absolutely absolutely an amazing place to be.
0: So then, uh, how about when you get a negative score? What does that mean?
1: You know, a negative score, you know, it's it's okay because lots of good performers find themselves initially as negative because, quite frankly, we've just kind of accepted drama in the workplace as something that just happens. Like, it's just a thing and we've all kind of accepted it. But what we found in our research, and this is really interesting. for those of you HR leaders that are listening, and I want you to take note of that, or those of you who are leading training, is we started studying drama in the workplace about 20 years ago. And we found through our research that people were spending, on average, two hours a day in drama. And that means, again, blaming, moaning, whining, resisting change, lack of accountability, um, needing a lot of buy-in or a lot of love and appreciation just to get to, you know, the work that needs to be delivered And so we certainly thought, gosh, with all of the additional leadership and management training that's been happening in our organizations in the last 20 years, in fact, um, uh, many organizations have come out with studies that show we're spending more dollars per learner and more time in the classroom per learner teaching leadership philosophies, the amount of drama has actually gone up at work. And now we're seeing that it's 2 hours and 26 minutes per day. And so what that's telling us is a lot of conventional leadership wisdoms are actually fueling the drama and not detracting from it. And so getting aware of your emotional expense and how maybe we've kind of come to believe some conventional leadership wisdoms are actually fueling that and not bringing it away um, is the best place that you can be. And by addressing your emotional expense, Um, That's the greatest way that you can actually reduce the negative value that that you have at work and start to focus on how you can show up at work with a little bit less hassle factor. Stopping believing the myth that changes hard and getting yourself always ready for what's next. In fact, Sai has a book coming out. It's called No Ego. It's actually available for pre-order on all of your favorite book retailers, but it'll be launching on September 19th. And it's all about reducing emotional expense bypassing the ego, because we know the ego is what fuels a lot of those sources of drama, and helping to keep folks ready for what's next.
0: Well, those are great examples of the kinds of things people with a negative score might do to improve. Um, So what do managers do if they can obtain these data? How, How does it help the HR leader?
1: Mm -hmm. You know, it's really interesting, and I want to share a personal example that I think will um, talk a little bit more about those with a negative score and then how HR managers can can work with this data. Um, I almost didn't make it into the HR and training profession. So when I was young in my career, um, I was in sales, and I was um, was applying to be a training and development specialist. I knew that I wanted um, a career as an HR and training leader. I I love the field. I love the profession. And I actually didn't get hired, even though um, at the time I was, if you would look at resumes, probably the candidate that had the most experience. I had a good sales track record. I had good performance. Um, I was a voracious learner. I loved to constantly research and learn what's next. In fact, because I knew I wanted to be in the training and and HR profession, um, I would, you know, read books, even though I wasn't in the role yet. I was really keeping myself ready for what's next. And I was shocked when I found out that I wasn't hired. And so I, um, of course, ego was a little bruised, uh, reached out to the hiring manager and asked for some feedback. And frankly, she told me that I um, was too expensive. I had too high of an ego. I, you know, if if I wanted to be in training in HR, I needed to have a different uh, mindset of how I could be more approachable more helpful. And so this was a great example of how um, a leader who um, interviewed me kind of used the employee value equation um, to explain why I wasn't hired for a job. And she simply said, you're right, Kelly, your current performance is outstanding. You exceed your sales objectives. You are definitely keeping yourself ready for what's next. I really appreciate the fact that you've done a lot of learning on your own about wanting to be in the HR and training profession. However, I need to talk to you about the drama that you bring at work and your emotional expense. Right now, it's simply just too high. And so if I brought you on my team, it wouldn't add to the team. That sort of uh, mindset would actually detract from the team. So here's some things that I need you to work on and um, develop in so that the next time I do have a, a position open, I can consider you for that opening role And so some of the tools that she gave me that you as HR leaders can also take back to your teams, or maybe you're a hiring manager, and that is simply um, how can you start to approach your daily job and your daily work with the mindset of how can I help? Maybe you do have a top performer that's become a little bit self-righteous and they stopped helping. Instead, they spent a lot of their time in judgment, judging everyone around them about how, you know, maybe they aren't doing things the way they're supposed to be doing. So she asked me, you know what, you need to shift your work with the mindset of how can I help? How can I show up every day and be easy to work with? If I want to be in training in HR, approachability is really important. How can I work to be more approachable? Where can I go and get feedback from others who frequently work with me on times of which I might have been in, approachable, and how can I change my approach? How can I own a, um, a mindset of contributing to great team work? How can I make sure that I'm helping new hires and not sitting back and judging them because maybe I've accelerated to a level, um, you know, beyond that, and I feel like maybe that's beneath my role. How can I change my mindset around that? And ultimately, how can I go through work with, you know, what does great team success look like? People who are high performers and can get a little self-righteous. They're very judgy and I was very judgy at that time and I knew what great success and teamwork looked like. And then she called me up and said, how can you go be great? How can you show up and be great every day so that you can you know, check, keep your ego in check, keep yourself ready for what's next and that way when a position is open, I can hire you. And so my bottom line for HR managers to work with this data and how does it help HR leaders is when you have a resistor on your team, or you have somebody that's very difficult to work with, just sit down and do some simple math with them and say, you know what, your current performance is X, Y, Z. And let's talk a little bit more about future potential. Future potential is so important in keeping your skills ready for what's next, and that's what this organization needs to be sustainable. But I want to talk to you about how you show up at work. I want to talk a little bit about your drama quotient and what it's costing the organization in terms of emotional expense to keep you as part of our team. And just do some simple math with them, like my leader did with me, and it becomes very apparent on where I need to grow next, so that I can be a valuable member to the team.
0: Well, Kelly, thanks so much for sharing that in a very personal way. Um, Now, would you think that the employee value equation would replace a company's traditional performance management metrics?
1: That's a great question because we get that all the time from our clients. Um, And they say, gosh, so am I just supposed to throw all my old stuff away? And the answer is absolutely not. We had a a client up in the Northwest who did this beautifully. So what they did first was they were one of our um, folks who really found out that they're like, you know what, we're rating current performance today, current performance management metrics, and our folks are like um, an average of a three and a half but we aren't meeting revenue objectives. First things first, let's get that aligned and make sure that when we are assessing performance using our current performance management metrics, that we're really clear in having courageous conversations about how people are doing to A, and we're not inflating the ratings to protect engagement or satisfaction scores. So I got, first got real clear about making sure that performance management was, um, aligned to what it should be in terms of delivering business results. That was absolutely step one. And they had great conversations, really focusing on how people are doing today. And then what they did is they took their current performance management metrics, and they started weaving in future potential. So we have five reality-based leadership competencies, um, and those are uh, personal accountability, Reality-based thinking, organizational alignment, capitalizing on change, and driving for results. And they started to weave in some of those softer skills into their performance management, and started rating folks on how well they were keeping themselves ready for what's next by actively demonstrating competence um, in those five areas. They were also starting to take a look at um, you know how what they were doing on their own in terms of things outside of work or reading or mentoring, and started you know factoring some of that into performance reviews as well. And then they started to factor in the whole emotional expense and that was just another just line item at the bottom in terms of how are you showing up at work? What's your productivity? What's your mindset in terms of working with your colleagues? How much time are you spending, you know, resisting change, being cajoled to get buy-in? Do I have to really work hard to gain the gift of your performance and engagement? You know, how well, um, you know, are you stopped judging and are you starting to help your colleagues? So what they did was they just got real clear about their current performance management metrics instead of weaving in those other areas. And the results that this client found was not only were they going through major mergers and acquisitions in their market, they had some folks choose to leave, but that was okay because the right folks opted out. And the folks who chose to stay got real clear about what was expected of them at work. Not only did their sales and their revenue increase because um, that was aligned and they had removed some of the expensive folks from their organization, but they were left with a team that was very clear on what accountability meant. And we know that accountability is a mindset. It's not a skill set. And through um, adding in some of these things into their culture, they were left with a highly accountable team that not only showed improved business results, but were delivering you know, more future potential, less resistance to change, and um, higher productivity to the bottom line. And when they actually went back and redid some of their um, engagement work, uh, they found those scores, well, maybe they dipped at first, actually started to increase once they had the right skills, talent, and mindset left in the organization.
0: Kelly, this all sounds like a very attractive new approach. So what's the best way for listeners to uh, check out the employee value equation and incorporate it into their organization's processes?
1: I think the first place to do is, um, I'll just walk you through where I um, found it again, and that is realitybasedleadership.com. And if you scroll down to access the extras, we have the employee value assessment on our website along with a host of other tools um, one of the amazing uh, approaches that we use at Reality-Based Leadership is we give the majority of our content away for free. And so you might see a newsletter pop up, or if you go to any of our social media channels, we talk a lot about employee value on our YouTube channel, on Facebook, Instagram, via our weekly newsletter, and it's not salesy um, It's all available to you for free. So if some of you are saying, oh my gosh, this is what I need. How do I communicate this to other people that I'm working with? Get on YouTube. Get on Facebook. Just start sharing the videos with folks who you think kind of maybe tend to agree with this. And our best advice is work with the willing. It is the best way to start a movement. So find folks who would also be on board with this philosophy. Call them up, get them in, and get them working with you to kind of start to change even the language around how we measure performance in your organization. And I'll tell you, too, another great place to start is start with yourself. Get very clear on the value that you bring at work. When you are net neutral or positive in your organization and getting really clear on bringing a low drama value to work, you can better help others. In fact, some of our best leaders, including myself, do a quick employee value equation on themselves all the time, weekly, monthly, just really quick. How am I doing today? Have I kept myself ready for what's next well this month? And am I keeping my drama quotient low? And they just kind of start to check and assess themselves, and that's by role modeling that behavior, also that's a great way to help spread it in your organization.
0: Well, this is great. Lots of free resources for our listeners. Uh, Absolutely. Check it out to sum this all up any any final thoughts
1: you know I the one thing that I would leave for your listeners is one of the things that we often hear is gosh I wish Joe would hear this or this is all about Ed and I'm just going to reiterate one point that I just made is the best place to start with this is to start with yourself because the more you can get clear about where your own ego shows up at work and how you might be causing a little bit of drama, resisting change, or not quite keeping yourself ready for what's next, By getting really clear on where you need to improve and the skills that you can learn, that's the best place that you can be um, before we can reach across to help others. There's one other thing that I think, um, you know, if we're, we talk a lot about drama and emotional defense. but as HR leaders. I think one of the things that you might all be experiencing is the high amount of change that's happening in your organization and the constant demands for engaging employees. And so I want to challenge you all to walk away with really not only thinking about emotional expense but thinking about future potential. Many times when people say change is hard or we believe that you know we have to have perfect circumstances or, all these perks or certain snacks in the break room to gain the gift of engagement for our employees, it's because they aren't keeping themselves ready for what's next. So as HR leaders, I would challenge you all to get really clear about, you know, what skills, competencies, um, and results do we need from our organizations to stay relevant far into the future and stop protecting people from the impacts of change because it only coddles them and it doesn't help engagement scores, we know that reality is the best motivator. And when we don't protect people from reality, that's how they build the skills and expertise to constantly stay ready for what's next. So start to get really clear about the future potential. You're gonna see more from us on that topic. And I think what you'll find when you stop protecting people from their current reality, when you ask them to build the skills, capabilities, and resources before they need them, you're gonna start hearing less. Gosh, this change feels hard, or there's too much change and you know you're going to see a little bit more in terms of a mindset of accountability which we know accountability not engagement drives results so talked a lot about emotional expense but i really would love you all to reflect a little bit on what future potential looks like for your organizations and how you can contribute that value to your company by getting folks skilled up in what's next
0: kelly this is great thanks so much for joining us again these very helpful new tools and insights we appreciate it
1: Absolutely. Thank you. I am so thrilled to be the first returning visitor. I hope there's many more, and um, definitely reach out if you guys have any questions. We believe in abundance, so you can check out our free resources, and, of course, uh, check out everything that uh, HR Works has online for you as well.
0: Okay, thanks. Listeners, please let me know what HR Works should cover next. Sbruce at BLR.com. Thanks for listening. This is Steve Bruce for HR Works. The opinions expressed on HR Works do not represent legal or any other type of professional advice and should not be used as a substitute for legal advice from a qualified attorney licensed in your state.